see. Glad that you're here tonight. And uh, it's an honor to have you here again. If you're a guest with us, I'm Jack, one of the pastors here, and want to welcome you. You're kind of jumping into a series we've been in, and uh, someone is going to want to jump out of their seat right now. So if you have a black VW Jetta, a responsible Batman would drive that car. Your lights are on, and you will want to take care of that more than likely. So how many of you play board games at home? Okay, a few of you. Uh, there are a few uh, games that now are kind of the, the timer, and the timer goes, and it's that weird, like, and then it goes off type thing, or you have like a clock or so. I grew up knowing a different type of clock, a different type of timer, and it's, it's one of these things. I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. Um, it's an hourglass. The interesting thing with this is, you know, sometimes it's time to an hour, they call it kind of that, or you put it to a certain minutes, you have three minutes or so before all the sand kind of runs out from the top to the bottom, and then it's kind of anticlimactic. There isn't a buzzer that goes off, there isn't a beeping noise, no one gets shocked, no cards get thrown in your face or anything. In fact, sometimes it can run out and you don't even know, and you're kind of like, well, I'm out of time. Um, and here's the truth. In a lot of ways, what we're gonna look at tonight as we kind of continue with Ecclesiastes is in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, Solomon's gonna talk about life like this. And he's gonna talk about some things that we, we know to be a reality, but we seldom actually have discussions about it. And he's gonna offer some wisdom into this that I think it's good for us to wrestle with and you may at some point feel uncomfortable because this isn't a subject matter that we talk about a lot in our culture. In fact, we kind of try to, to steer away from this. Did you know that the anti-aging industry by 2015 was supposed to be projected at, at like costing or raising over $115 billion people would spend trying to stay young? Fascinating in a culture that doesn't want to age. Think about all the cultures of history who have searched for what? The fountain of youth, right? And how many of you watched the, let's see, it's the Indiana Jones one, remember that one? Is that the fourth one, third one? Indiana Jones three, I think is what it was. And it's a search for this. And you look around in our culture and you understand that we have an incredibly valuable resource that you have that I have, it's called time. But the interesting thing about this incredibly uh, valuable resource is that it's limited. It's dwindling. It's not something you can necessarily add on to, though we can do things to try to increase the probability, but the reality is none of us really knows when our time is going to be up. And that's what the Bible kind of speaks to. And Solomon's going to kind of look to this. You've got to remember, remember, Solomon's kind of toward the end of his life, toward the later years when he's writing Ecclesiastes. You remember, this was the great life experiment. I'm going to deny myself no pleasure, no experience. I'm going to pursue what really brings the good life. And then he writes this book where he says, everything is meaningless. Meaningless, I say. And we've kind of walked through, what is he getting at? And he just starts describing life under the sun. He's saying it's when you approach life from a worldly perspective where you think everything is just about here and now, when you live for just the pleasures that this world can bring, it's, it's meaningless, he says. 
And then he begins to have some little hints into this book about things that are deeper and things that are better, things that are above the sun, so to speak. As he begins to talk about life and how do we truly experience the good life. And so tonight, I wanna kinda walk through uh, Ecclesiastes chapter nine, and you can follow along. If you have your phone, you can go to uh, version. I put all the scriptures and the notes in there, so you can go to that if you want to. Uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, we're gonna kinda start there. I wanna read a little bit and kind of unpack a few things, and I want you to kind of see. Uh, in fact, I want you to, anyone ever read The Onion? It's kind of this satire-type writing piece, mostly online. Here's what they wrote a few years ago. Uh, they kind of had this uh, satirical look at this thing that's plaguing a problem for humanity. This is what they wrote. The World Health Organization officials expressed disappointment Monday at the group's finding that Despite the enormous efforts of doctors and rescue workers and other medical professionals worldwide, the global death rate remains constant at 100%. Death, uh, this kind of metabolic affliction causing total shutdown of all life functions, has long been considered humanity's number one health concern, responsible for 100% of all recorded fatalities worldwide. The condition has no cure. Duh. Right? Like, we know that it was satire. They're just kind of making a point here. That, um, but what Solomon's writing about is kind of toward the end of his life, and he's looking at what people are pursuing, he's looking at how people are aiming their life, and he has some interesting comments. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around uh, someone, maybe close to you, who's uh, passed away, or someone who, uh, where you've watched maybe kind of the decline of that. And it's interesting, the conversations that happen around a deathbed. It's interesting, the conversations that sometimes where anger flares up, and there's unresolved tensions that exist, and people don't want to deal with forgiveness, and I've seen that. You may have too. It's interesting where other people who have uh, cultivated wisdom in their heart, they speak about things with a clarity and with a significance and with a weight to them that those who are gathered around take heed to that. You can tell a lot by a person's last few words, last few days, last few moments. You can tell a lot about what really matters in life. And Solomon is gonna speak to some of this. Here's what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter nine. We'll kind of read bits and pieces of this whole chapter. Here's what he says, verse one. So I reflected on all of this, concluded that the righteous and the wise um, and the wise, and what they do are in God's hands. God's the one who is ultimately sovereign, he's saying. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so it is with those who don't. This is the evil in everything that happens under the, same, under the sun, the same destiny overtakes all. What's he speaking about? The mortality rate, 100%. Doesn't matter. No one gets to, to, to escape around that. What he's saying is, look, when the time's up, everything just goes back in the box, and your memory sometimes even fades. No, Jack, you understand I'm on Facebook, I'm gonna be around forever. Okay, people will stop going to your page. People will stop reading the tweets. There won't be any new Instagram, so they'll unfollow you. 
what he's speaking about is the finality of that. And though that is a reality that is far away for almost all of us, we don't like to talk about it, we try to pretend that it's not reality, and the truth is, it's there. And we have to address it, we have to begin to look at this. And what Solomon begins to get at is, look, this reality faces everybody. That um, how you deal with life matters. How you interact with life, how you begin to uh, navigate life and, and interact with those around you, it matters in how you live. Even though he's been saying meaningless, he's now juxtaposing this idea that there is great value in life. And so it matters how you spend it because the reality is you only have a limited amount of time and no one really even knows how much they have. You're not guaranteed. And so it's important how you begin to live. Every day is a blessing from God. If you're breathing in air, you've got hope. If you're taking in a breath to understand that that is a gift, it didn't have to be, but it is. It's extended to you. That some of us, I think, wake up in the morning on especially maybe Mondays, and maybe it's 4 a.m. You remember the old Dunkin' Donuts commercial where the guy, the worker, would wake up and it's 4 a.m. and he's like, time to make the donuts. And he would stumble out the door, and like, it's just that guy. He would always make donuts. He always looked miserable. And listen, I know we've all had those miserable days, right? We always had those days where it's time to make the donuts, okay? And it's just, and what Solomon's gonna say is, look, uh, life is short. It is. So enjoy it. Enjoy it with the relationships that you have around you. Enjoy it with the relationships that you foster and that you grow. You need to adopt that approach to life. And don't just get stuck into this mundane reality of things just unfolding. He goes on, verse four through uh, verse 12. We'll just read a little bit together. Here's what he says. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. That is a great Hallmark card right there. This is just, I'm gonna make that a birthday card, it'll be awesome. Uh, For the living know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no uh, further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. So go, eat your food with gladness. Drink your wine with joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white. Always anoint your head with oil. Always clothed in white is, Jesus is saying, people who are in a celebratory mood, they wore white. He's saying, celebrate. People who, um, were, he's kind of saying, bring out the good china. Don't just wait for a company like Thanksgiving. Bring out the good stuff, enjoy it. Enjoy your life with your wife whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Meaning when the time is up, Now he's not speaking with a Jesus perspective yet, but he's talking about just the finality of death. I've seen something else under the sun, he goes on. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. So time and chance are just a part of reality of what we navigate. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, as birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by the evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Meaning no one knows how much is in their hourglass. 
And when it's flipped at birth, you don't know how long you got. And I don't know how long I've got either. So he's speaking about some realities of how we approach life then. How do we begin to navigate this? People, you're alive. You have hope, he's saying. If you've got breath in your lungs, you have hope. There can be a better tomorrow. There can be a new chapter, a restart, a next chapter for you. For some of you who sit here and go, no, my past is what marks over me and I can never escape that. And what Solomon is saying is, no, that's not the case. You have a new hope. And as you have breath in your lungs, you have a new opportunity. And you can enjoy life and you can begin to put yourself back on a trajectory towards something good and something great. I love this principle here I wrote. If you're not dead, you're not done. If you're not dead, you're not done. For some of you, in your youth, you think, well, I really can't make a difference for God. I've got to graduate first. No. You can make a difference for God right now, right here, in this season of life. For others of you, you work so hard and you've retired. You never retire from living with God and for God. There is work for you to do. If you're not dead, you're not done. Jesus always has these assignments for us to be active agents in the world. And if you're not dead, you're not done. And that's, I think, what Solomon is saying. We have to live as people of that principle. People who say, look, I'm not dead, so I'm not done. I'm gonna stay active in living this life and being a person who pursues after God and who lives for him. There's some application, I think, that comes out of this passage where he talks about some things, how to enjoy life, that we are to seize moments to enjoy it. And I know... um, I know that's easy to do, easy to say. It's another thing to actually do it because I know the demands of life and I know the challenges of life. I know the seasons of life, especially those of you who might have toddlers or little ones at home. And it just seems like the cares of the world are never ending. Like, because everyone comes to you to solve all of your problems, all of someone else's problems, your spouse's problems, your kid's problems, and it feels overwhelming. But that season will end. That season will come to pass. For others of you who are kind of sitting here at kind of the cusp of of something brand new and you're kind of maybe single and you're in your early 20s and you're trying to figure out life, where do I go from here? Maybe you're in midlife and you're going, okay, I've kind of lived this path for a long time, but it seems like the seasons are gonna change here and I don't know what this may begin to look like. And what Solomon is saying is find enjoyment in the season you're in. Don't try to wait to the next one. Don't get stuck in the past and don't get so focused on the future that you miss the moment you're in. Enjoy the moment you're in. Enjoy this season. Enjoy your relationship. Work hard at the things that you put your hand to. Don't be a person who loafs, but at the same time, stop and smell the roses. Don't work so hard that you miss the enjoyment of the season you're in, the people that you're living life with. Make it the best of all those things. It, it kind of reminds me of Psalm 90. Uh, how many of you remember Moses, right? Moses, big time leader in the Bible. Do you know that he wrote a psalm? I don't know if you knew that or not. Psalm 90 is Moses' prayer. And Moses has this prayer that he goes through. Here's what he says at the beginning. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you're God, you're Yahweh, you're big, you're huge, is what he's saying. 
You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. We, we're not you. (laughs) We have limitations, you have none. He's creating this contrast to understand. A thousand years in your sight is like a day. It's like a day has just passed. Yet you sweep people away in sleep of death. They're like new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it's dry and withered. He goes on, what is, what is man? That we might have 70, 80 years, he says. And then he has this little line in here that I want us to hold on to. Speaking of what Solomon says, what the scriptures kind of speak of, Moses says these words, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Here's what I think that means, what he's really trying to say here, is we've gotta become a people that live with eternity in mind. Teach us to number our days. We only get a certain number of days. Do you remember the old Rent song? 525,000, 600 minutes, okay, you got it. Um, How do you measure a year, right? Do you realize I added that up at 80 years, that's 42,048,000 minutes that you're gonna get in 80 years. I just took half of one right there, (laughs) so you got less now. Um, But (laughs) 42 million, that's what you get, maybe. Because we all have an hourglass, it's, it's going, it's silent. It's dwindling, it's, it's limited, it's, it's there. We don't like to look at it, we don't like to know, but the truth is it's there. It's the reality for us. So Moses is saying, look, teach us to number our days. Help us to live with eternity in mind because it always cultivates a heart of wisdom and a heart of wisdom. It creates a life that matters, that focuses on what matters most. See, when you don't teach to number your days, you don't live with this idea of teach us to number our days, we don't live with any perspective, then we don't really focus on what matters. We just focus on the urgent. We focus on the things that clamor for our attention. We focus on the things that scream before us or the things that are put up on the screen that says chase after these things. But when you live with a perspective of eternity, you begin to understand kind of what Solomon's getting at, kind of what Moses is hinting around here is that you live for things that matter. And the things that don't matter, you begin to let go. I wish the 44-year-old self of me could go back to the 24-year-old self of me and have a 30-second conversation even of like, hey, that thing you're worried about, it's really not that big a deal. That thing you're so stressed over, that thing you got so angry about, chill out, let it go. In fact, there's this, there's this video that's gonna come out in 20 years where like Anna's gonna sing this song, let it go, yeah, just live with that principle. <laughs> just like, let it go. Because at 24, I just, I got so uptight, so fast about things. And I wish the 20 year older me could go back to the 20 year old younger me and just say, Learn to number your days. Learn to focus on what matters most. Here's some things that I think stick out in this passage in uh, what Solomon's saying in Ecclesiastes 9. 
Major on what matters most and on who matters most. Enjoy life. What's he really saying? Be a person that becomes relationally rich. Be a person that lives relationally rich. Focus on what matters and who matters most. Jesus comes along, he says, love God, love people. All of the law of the prophets, all the, all the things of what the Psalms talked about, everything hangs on this nail. Just, just do that. That's what I love about Jesus, he just simplified things. He complicated things because they're so intense. But in, in a lot of ways, you can get your arms around it. A little bit more than 400 plus laws that the Pharisees were carrying around saying, are you breaking this one today? Are you breaking this one today? Hey, love God. Love people. Be a person of compassion and conviction. Live in that. And yeah, it'll be tense in moments and it'll be weird in moments and how do you navigate it? You know what? Just love me and I will lead you forward in it. We'll figure it out together. Focus on what matters most and who matters most. Second one, it matters who you're trusting your life to. Solomon says it in verse one. You're all in the hands of God. For some of us, we don't like that. And so we try to take ourselves out of it. And we say, God, uh, I'm gonna be the driver of my life and you can ride in the trunk. And I'm gonna drive it around how I want and you can be somewhat in the orbit of my life if you want. I don't really need you, but I'm gonna be here. Oh, crash, wreck. Oh, God, you can come back into my orbit now because uh, there's a crisis moment. You can help me out. But yet, when you read through the scriptures, what Jesus is speaking is, you, you come follow me, okay? I'll take the keys now. Thank you very much. You trust in me. You ride in my car. It's way better than a Jetta. You ride in my car, and we'll drive. We'll go. And you ride shotgun, but you're shotgun. You align your life with me, and I will get you further than you ever thought possible. And I will get you home to where you really wanna go. Jim Elliott uh, had this quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. All throughout the scriptures, it's this idea of life, of following after Jesus, of surrendering your life. Say, Jesus, uh, here's the keys, you drive. I'm, I'm putting all my eggs into your basket. I'm trusting you for salvation and I'm gonna trust in you to, to lead me home, to become more and more the person you created me to be. And he can help you move steadily forward in this life and he will get you securely home into eternity. It matters who you're trusting your life to. And you can keep trusting your life to yourself. That's your choice, it's your call. But I think at some place, at some point, you might come to the place where you say, am I really going where I wanna go? Should I drive a different way? I don't know if you've ever spent time in a cemetery. It's a fascinating place. It seems weird at first. What's interesting is you walk among the headstones and here's what you notice. There's a beginning, there's a dash, and there's an ending. 
Friends, you only have one dash. You only get one, I only get one. It matters what you do in your dash. In the grand scheme of eternity, what you ate for breakfast doesn't matter. Who you follow, who you love, how you love, how you live does. It matters. You only get one dash. What you do with your dash matters. Who you put your trust in matters. What you give your time to matters. Who you leverage your energy with matters. How you use your skills and your passions, it matters. Where you invest your resources, it matters. Who you travel this life with, it matters. Life is short. You've got a certain amount of time. And when it's up, everything goes back in the box. And as a follower of Jesus, your journey's just getting warmed up. That's the beauty of this, is that life isn't limited to just life under the sun when you're with the sun. When your life is lynched with Jesus, the son of God, you have an eternal life that goes on with him, that you get to live into eternity. You get to, to keep moving forward. Uh, Emma Bombeck was an author, a writer, she had found out that she had gone through this cancer diagnosis and was fighting that, and she wrote a kind of a, a poem, so to speak, that she uh, published in which it says, if I had my life to live over, here's what she writes. I would have gone to bed when I was sick instead of pretending the earth uh, would go into some holding pattern while I waited to get well. I would have talked less and listened more. I would have invited friends over for dinner even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have taken the time to listen to my grandfather's ramblings about his youth. I would have sat in the lawn with my kids and not worried about grass stains. Instead of wishing away nine months of pregnancy, I would have cherished every moment and realized that the wonderment growing inside of me was the only chance in life that I got to insist God in a miracle. There would have been more I love yous and more I'm sorry's, but mostly given another shot in life, I would have seized every moment, looked at it, really see it, live it, and never give it back. What Solomon is saying, in a lot of ways, is saying enjoy life, seize it. Whatever you find your hand to do, put your hand to that and work hard at it. Live relationally rich, develop that. Love God, love people, that's how he's gonna close out this whole book. It's gonna say live in alignment with God. It's what the writer of Hebrews begins to say, look, you only get one dash. Here's what Hebrews writer, chapter nine says this, just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sin of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. See, death is an appointment that all of us will face. We can't cancel it, there's no changing of it. We just don't know how long we have. But the beauty is, why it matters who you're trusting your life to, is when you align your life with Jesus, here's what Paul says can happen. You can begin to whisper, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your victory? The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, 
He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, he writes, 1 Corinthians 15, you stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you from the hope that you have. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What you do with your dash matters. And as a people of the church, people who are followers of Jesus, what we do with our dash matters. It matters individually to you. It matters to the people that you're relationally connected to. And it matters as a church what we do with the opportunity we've been given. We're to enjoy it, to savor it. Life is short. It's unpredictable. We can try to manipulate the the factors and try to to have higher probability, but here's the reality. At the end of the day, we only get a certain amount of time, and you don't know, and I don't know. And when it's over, it all goes back in the box. But the things that we give our life to, the ways in which we live for God, the ways in which we use the skill sets and passions and dreams he's put within us, the ways that we live that out together as the church, the ripple effect of that, no one ever knows how far that goes. On into eternity. And we get to live with the beauty that it's gonna be okay. That Jesus is coming back. Not to bear my sin again, but to bring me home with him that as a follower of Jesus, I live securely, knowing that he can help me move forward in anything I'm facing. I get to have a new chapter. If I'm alive, I've got hope. If I'm not dead, I'm not done. He's got stuff for me and for you, for us to do. And so Father, I pray as um, we move into a time of communion, as we just remember the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that we stand securely in the hope that we have in him, that his work, his life, his death, his resurrection secures a future in a hope that has no limits. The sand never runs out. And though our time under the sun may end, it's really just a new beginning. And so as we remember and we take that bread knowing that that was his body that he gave for us. So we take that juice and to remember his blood shed for us. That's what we're putting all our hope in. That we can stand firm and let nothing move us. And therefore then we can live in such a way to make a contribution in this world for you. Jesus, we love you. And so as we take a moment here to remember in communion, as we take a moment to worship you in song, I pray for us this week that we be a people that though maybe this is a subject matter we don't talk a lot about, the reality is it's a truth and a reality that faces every one of us. We get to go home with you because of our faith in Jesus. We get to live life with you now on assignment because of the grace and the empowerment of Jesus. Father, you have things for us to do, individually, things for us to do as a church. Would you align our hearts, speed our feet and our hands to be active in this world for you. As we remember you now, as we worship you in song, stir our hearts with maybe 
a thought for us to take with us this week. We love you, Jesus.